You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So um, I'll say this. If you want to find out what's going on, get in the Facebook group or follow me on Twitter. Primarily the Facebook group because that's my top priority. If I miss an episode or something, I'm going to tell them first. If I think about it, I'll throw it up on Twitter. I understand some people don't have Facebook accounts. Just make one that doesn't matter. Follow the group and that'll be the only thing you do. It's the only thing you need, man. I'm not saying follow your family. They're all nuts. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about them. I understand you canceled your Facebook account, and I understand it, man. It makes sense. I'm just saying get in the group, man. Your family misses you. We need you. But anyways, as I mentioned in the Facebook group as well as Twitter today, I figured out the problem. I, um, apparently while just getting a little crazy with my phone and and pushing lots of buttons that I shouldn't be putting, pushing, I, um, turned my alarm volume all the way down. Hence the mystery of why I sleep in every day. Also very lucky that I haven't missed work a couple days in a row. But that has been rectified and hopefully this is the last time you'll be getting an afternoon episode unless it's planned as such. Anyways, the the plan for today is to tell you what happened in uh, training camp day 7. And fortunately, very little has happened because it was a very boring day. Uh, No pads, basically a walkthrough, whatever, I'll give you what I can. And then we'll do what I was saying I wanted to do anyways, which is to get back into the questions. And I'm actually kind of excited because um, a couple people took some swings at my head. And I kind of like that a little bit. Um, I mean, don't get too carried away. Because at one point, I'm just going to get angry. And, you know, general rule, don't go at the guy with the microphone because it's a battle you can't win. Not that you're wrong. It's just that I have the last word always. And I have a, you know... an audience of several thousand people, and you have an audience of about ten people on Facebook, most of which are not sympathetic to you. You understand what I'm saying. But as long as I understand it as being in the spirit of, you know, debate or whatever, which these I think are and are in good faith, I appreciate it. And I, I like a little pushback um, because I like to be challenged because you don't grow unless you acknowledge that you're wrong about stuff. So I want to look at a couple of those things. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. So let's go on ahead. Um, hold on. A couple important matters here. Episode 500 is coming up. I'd appre- you know what? $5 is just an option. If, if you want to come up with something else, just let me know. It doesn't even have to be a gift. It can be an idea. Get some kind of feedback. It's a big deal, and I'm just really depressed about the fact that it's just going to be an episode. <laughs> if you want to do something to support the podcast, cool. If you don't, give me give me something. Give me a, a thought. What should episode 500 be? And before you say, hey, you should get some of your listeners on the show and we can have a conversation, i.e. get me on, I do this at 3 in the morning. You want to get up at 3 in the morning and have a conversation? All right, then give me a different idea. Also, I don't want to have a conversation with you at 3 in the morning. I'm crabby and I don't, you know, it, it's a lot of work to, you know, hey, are you there? What are you doing? Hey, let me get this set up. It's just, ugh. Then there's editing. It's not going to work out. Give me a different idea. I don't know. I'm sure I'll get over it. It'll just be another episode. It's just a number, whatever. 
I don't care. It's only 500 episodes. I mean, who cares? I mean, what's the difference between 500 and 4.99? I don't even care. Hey, I got an idea. Five-star iTunes review. That's what you can do for me for episode 500. By the way, thank you very much to uh, Anus Main, Lori4040, Darth McFisto, Bullets111, Kano Khan, Nico Mana. Can you guys not come up with a normal name for your iTunes account? <laughs> What is this? Is this like some Comic-Con convention? G.A. Swede? Is that Georgia Swede? CG10101? Anyways, thank you guys very much for all the reviews. Appreciate it. Let's just take the break. I'm just rambling unnecessarily. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So, first of all, before I get into those two great things that I want to talk about, football is happening tonight. And if you're listening the uh, on Friday morning, then just whatever. But look, th- this is this is one step closer. And I fully understand what's going to happen tonight. I'm going to get super, super jacked up. I'm going to make food. I'm going to have, a, a like, the chair. Like, I want to be in the comfy one. Everybody get out of my chair. This is Dad's chair. I will fight you for it. I don't care if you're four. And I'm going to have some delicious food, and it's going to be football, and everybody has to be quiet and get out of my face, and it's going to be super jacked up, and I'm going to be pumped. And about three minutes into this, I'm going to say, I don't really care about third-string Falcons players against <laughs> against the Denver Broncos. But it, it's okay, because we're one step closer. It's kind of like when you lost five pounds on a diet, and you have 105 pounds to lose, and it's like you see that you lost five, and you're super jacked. And then it's like, oh, but it's depressing because there's still 100. No, 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 no. We're not talking about the 100 pounds. This is huge. This is a big deal. It's a step closer. And we're going to take incremental steps of, of garbage football that nobody cares about um, until we reach our goal, which, of course, is Thursday night Bears-Packers. That's the goal we got to fix our eyes on and celebrate the minor victories of Hall of Fame game um, Falcons and, uh, Denver Broncos. Side note, I really hope the, uh, Denver Broncos defense just absolutely ab- obliterates the Falcons so that in my mind I can pretend that it's all Vic Fangio and that's further proof that the Bears are going to be garbage. Just something to watch out for. Not that it actually means anything, but I'm going to pretend it does and it's going to feel great. Moving on. Oh, and it actually just came across Vic Fangio hospitalized for a kidney stone. So, the... <laughs> I just got done saying one thing I'm excited about, and it's not even going to happen. It's, it's still his defense, so I don't even care. I mean, I care about him. I'm, 
shush, get away from me. Let's talk about training camp. So essentially what happened is um, head coach Matt LaFleur has decided that we're not doing pads today. He wanted to dial back the aggression and uh, kind of work on walkthroughs. It was all half speed type stuff. Some speculation by Ryan Wood that it means maybe some pretty heavy thud practices are coming for family night, which is going to be televised, which is cool. But I think it just kind of comes back to what Matt LaFleur said, um, I don't know, half a week ago, which was essentially that statistically on day three in a row is when most of the injuries happen. This is day three in a row. So he decided to rip the pads off, go nice and slow, work on, you know, fundamental type stuff, do a very short practice, just ensure that the statistics are wrong on this one and there's no injuries, and there weren't. But as a result, not a huge amount of notes. As uh, Mark Daniels said, whoever that is, he said, not only pad-free, it's a glorified walkthrough in camp today. Um, As far as injuries go, Mason Crosby, Jamal Williams... Aaron Jones out a second day. As I said, I'd be surprised if he was back. They're going to give him at least another 24 hours. I think if he's out for family night, which he probably will be, you know, it it becomes more than just precautionary. I know he's really important, but again, it's, I don't know. I mean, the, the hamstring wasn't really an issue in the regular season anyways, but it's still frustrating. He was out the majority of training camp last year because of a hamstring injury, which lasted several weeks, he felt tightness, and we were told by everybody, oh, don't worry, it's just precautionary, he'll be fine, this is day two, if he's not back by family night, we've got some concerns. Because again, even if it's not an injury, it's a matter of, okay, it's just tightness, but when does the tightness go away, right? Today, how's the tightness? It's still tight. Tomorrow, the next day, when it, it's still tight, still tight, still tight, right? We don't want to tear it. I don't know. Again, he's obviously going to be fine, and they're super cautious as far as him coming back. And, it, you know, it'll, it'll take even less time than last time because it's just tightness as opposed to an injury, a strain, a whatever. Hamstrings are just that way, though. They, they just linger. Uh, Josh Jackson is still out. He has not taken a single snap in training camp. Kendall Donerson, Jason Spriggs, Tony Brown, uh, Mike Tyson was the one that was added today. Um, For the most part, again, not a lot going on. The quarterbacks all look good. Well, I shouldn't say all. Aaron Rodgers looked good. Deshaun Kaiser looked good. I didn't really hear anything about Tim Boyle or Manny Wilkins. Devontae Adams, who's been perfect through training camp, continued to look solid. Uh, There was the one note Rodgers fires, one of the fastest short area passes I've seen in the 7-on-7 period. Adams catches it with his hands extended. Perfect. So not only was it a dart, but it was an extremely fast pass, and, and, you know, Devontae just makes a perfect you know, form catch away from the body, hands out, you know, just, 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 I don't know, you, you understand, right? Devontae is just in, in peak condition, and, and Aaron Rodgers seems to be as well. Uh, the, the one standout, I think, that I noticed was the note about Marquez, and it really seems like um, he is, he is, I would say the, the divide between him and Equinemius, and even him and Geronimo, is pretty substantial. And it's kind of hard to call it a divide because I think Geronimo is more of the slot guy, which is a, kind of a different position. But the, the fact of the matter is I think Marquez has established, him, established himself 
solidly as the number two wide receiver across from Devontae Adams. I do not expect that to change. I don't think anyone's going to take that from him. I think everyone else is uh, fighting for positioning and, and roster spot and how much of a rotation. I think it's going to be a lot of two wide receiver sets. I think it's going to be a lot of two wide with Devontae and Marquez, and I think that's just what it's going to be. The note I'm referring to is from Rob Domofsky. He says, after throwing mostly to Devontae during this drill early in camp, and what he's referring to here is, if I may interject, is the fact that every single camp, as far as I know, has started off with a throw to Devontae. It's been to from Aaron Rodgers to Devontae to start out camp. That's just how it's always started, right? He, he wants to get into a rhythm with Devontae. He wants to get familiar with Devontae. He wants all that. So he goes on to say, after throwing mostly to Devontae Adams during this drill early in camp, Aaron Rodgers is working with Marquez Valdez-Scantling in the routes on air period. In other words, he started off today hitting a lot of passes to Marquez, trying to develop the chemistry and the feel, and I, I just think it's it's kind of, I, I think that's it, and we need to be prepared for that. If For the fantasy folks out there, I think this is real. Now, don't be disillusioned. Uh, Devontae is going to be the, the main actor here, and he's going to take away a lot from Marquez, as is everyone else who's going to spell him, Geronimo, Equinemius, uh, the tight ends, the running backs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if there's any question as far as where to slot Marquez because you don't know if he's actually going to be the number two, I'm going to put my stamp on this. This is happening. He's number two, and it's, he's not going to lose his job pending an injury. So that is that is me. And if you draft him in fantasy and that doesn't end up being the case, you can um, you can blame me solely for that. Uh, one good note about Equinemia. It's not really going to read it, but solid catch, I guess. Uh, Jay Kumara also had a nice catch. Both of these notes, um, actually, no, that's not true. But uh, a couple passes going over um, Kadar Holman's head. He got picked on a little bit today. The, the note specifically from Ross Uglum was Holman getting picked on after ca- becoming the camp darling. Uh, the, the equanimous pass was actually on Tony Brown, and there was a funny note after the fact in uh, in the locker room somewhere that Aaron Rodgers was basically saying that Tony Brown has got the biggest mouth of any of the corners which I kind of like, and I kind of saw that, right? He's, he's, and that, that, and I've referenced it several times. The one time he got real, real into it, and he was all flying all over, making great plays, and he gets a little bit lippy, and he gets a little bit whatever, and there was a penalty, and, and he gets pulled, and he sits on the bench and pouts. And I thought Mike McCarthy did the wrong thing. He had a hyped-up player that was doing great, and he just killed the momentum by pulling Tony Brown out. I like, I like the energy Tony Brown bang, brings. I can't talk. It's fine. But the, the note from the comment from Aaron Rodgers was essentially that it's nice to complete a pass on Tony Brown because it shuts his mouth for a couple minutes. Um, running backs, Dexter is still getting the number one with uh, with the top two guys being out. Not super surprising. Um, the one note on Danny Vitale because you have to have, I mean, Danny Vitale is Jake Kumaro of this, this there's, there's no question. He is the 2019 version of Jake Kumaro. But um, Matt Schneidman sent out Aaron Rodgers just handed off to the fullback during the two-minute drill. I repeat, Danny Vitale got a carry during a two-minute drill. In other words, he's also now running the ball in critical situations. He's doing it all. I mean, literally. He is a running back. He is a pass blocker on third downs. He is a receiver on third downs. He, he's he's everything. It's funny because you talk about three-down backs. Danny Vitale's it. He's the fullback, but he is our three-down back, which is just shocking. And you almost look at it and wonder, like, you would assume Aaron Aaron Jones is the number one sort of three down back, but after that, who is the guy that you trust most to, if you had to score 
running the ball, catching a pass, and blocking, who would be number two behind Aaron Jones? I don't know that it's not Danny Vitale right now. Um, tight ends, Jimmy Graham and uh, Mercedes Lewis got a decent amount of work. The one interesting note, though, came from uh, Jim Ozarski. He mentioned Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis and the fact that they were, and, and when I say they got a decent amount of work, I mean, they there was like a touchdown to Jimmy. I don't know, whatever. But they got a bit of a breather. In other words, they got their work in early and then they kind of got to rest. But then he goes on to say Robert Tanyan and Evan Bayless with some early reps. In other words, after we gave Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis a break, we're putting Tanyan and Bayless in. Obviously, my question is, where's Jay Sternberger in this? And I know it's early, but if if a guy's got it, a guy's got it. There's there's no question. I mean, Darnell Savage has been out for a long time. The second he's healthy, he's the number one safety. There was not any of this easing him in nonsense. There was, there was an easing in as far as his snap counts, there was not an easing in as far as, well, you're going to be the number four safety behind Josh Jones and we'll slowly climb you up the ladder. The fact that, that Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis are the top guys and then we bring out Robert Tanyan and Evan Bayless and then I don't know what it is after that. It's just, what is happening right now? Um, offensive line, basically, I mean, literally nothing. The only note across the entire offensive line is that Justin McCray was getting a little bit of tackle work. I actually have him in as an offensive tackle because he's just kind of a versatile do-it-all offensive lineman, and our lads has him as a tackle, so I thought, even though I see him as a guard, I'll just put him as a tackle. Um, Rashawn Gary got drawn off sides. Not a big deal, but that's, I mean, literally, it was that boring that that was one of the highlights. Uh, Matt LaFleur said it was a good learning moment, and it was. Um, I, I think the biggest thing, as much as it probably isn't going to mean anything, is the Packers picked up Marcus Jones, who is a defensive end. He's he's called a linebacker by Green Bay. I guess he's an outside linebacker slash defensive end. But Marcus Jones from the Baltimore Ravens. In doing so, we cut uh, Javian Hamilton, cornerback who was recently injured. And it was just one of those things. As I said yesterday, you know, you got to be careful when you're one of those bubble guys and you get an injury. Packers could easily just say, you know what? that's it for you. And that was the case with JV and Hamilton. But um, I mean, it's it's relatively big news in terms of getting a new player. It's not big news in terms of uh, he doesn't have great odds. Um, As far as Jair, there was no real good notes, but there was a lot. I mean, (laughs) it's funny because I I, I could just lie right now and say, obviously, everyone listens to my podcast. Because the one day after I say Jair has had nothing good, Devontae Adams has... um, praise for him which came from the report maybe it's just the reporters all listen to my podcast because they asked Devonte. Devonte heaped praise on him they asked aaron Rodgers about him aaron Rodgers heaped praise on him they asked matt lafleur and matt lafleur heaped praise on him which is nice to hear because i've been saying i want to hear something good about jair and i haven't heard anything the problem is every single one of these things was prompted in other words it didn't just come out like hey who's the one guy you really like and it's like oh jair for sure it was a question of, hey, what do you think of Jair? And they're like, oh, no, he's he's awesome, which is always going to be the case. But no, I, I think Matt LaFleur's comment was kind of the most reassuring for me. And, and again, I understand his training camp. I'm not really worried about Jair. I was just kind of hoping that it would, you know, he would be a little bit more like you would hear from Kenny Clark or from Devontae or from Aaron Rodgers or from a lot of these guys um, that are just kind of beating everybody. And instead you're hearing guys and not even like starters. I mean, it's... It's not just Devontae beat Jair, it's Equinemius beat Jair, it's Jake Kumaro beat Jair, it's, it's Darius Shepard dominated Jair. I mean, it's, 
I just expected a little bit better, I guess. But if you want to hear some positive Jair news, uh, again, there's videos, and I posted two of them. I got the Matt LaFleur interview up and the uh, the Devontae interview up. Maybe it was the, the Aaron... I, I do have Aaron Rodgers talking. I don't know if Jair was a part of it, but whatever. But it was, it was definitely Matt LaFleur that uh, reassured me the most in terms of saying that he, he has no doubt, essentially, he has high expectations for him and also expects him to be a leader of the defense and all that kind of stuff. So um, I, 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 I can say confidently right now I'm not worried about Jair. I, just, I guess I just had higher hopes that he would be a little bit more up to speed at this point and getting a little bit more highlight reel type stuff as opposed to, you know, he's second-guessing himself. Uh, he got beat by this guy, this guy, and that guy. Otherwise, that's about it. Um, I mentioned Mike Tyson was out, Darnell Savage was in, um, and uh, Mason Crosby I do not think will be kicking for family night, and that's about all of that. So anyways, let's take uh, one more break, and I want to dive into some of these questions, comments, and concerns. Once again, if you have any comments that you would like to have on the show or want to air out or disagreements with me or whatever, um, the phone number to text or call is in the description. Otherwise, get into the Facebook group. The link is also in the description. And throw it out there. You'll get some, some friendly discussion and banter within the group, and then I'll likely possibly comment on it on the show. But uh, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. So I want to start off um, again with Eric from Toledo because I only got to one of his two, not questions, but comments. The Where I left off with him was he said uh, Crosby blew three games last year, and I sort of, I don't want to say I refuted it, but kind of dialed it back a little bit. By the way, he retorted, Mike McCarthy cares about that missed kick in Arizona. I, I kind of feel like that's where our disagreement is. I'm not putting Mike McCarthy's job on... Mason Crosby, I'm putting it on Mike McCarthy. The failure of this team wasn't because Mike was wasn't because Mason Crosby missed a couple kicks. Um, as I said, several of these don't even matter. His kicks and of the ones that do, it, it shouldn't have come down to that. Arizona, give me a break. If Mason Crosby makes the kicks, we well, first of all, we still lose. But even if we end up winning, Mike McCarthy needed to be fired after that game. He needed to be fired before that game. Um, but anyways, he goes on uh, with his second point, which is, dude, Daniels is so overrated, we'll be fine. Detroit is dumb as per usual. Um, kind of an interesting little... Uh, so I'm going to stand by my contention that at the very least, Mike Daniels is a better pure pass rusher than Montrevious, than Dean Lowry, probably even better than Kenny Clark, to be completely honest. And I know there's going to be a lot of pushback, but I'm just saying... And I, I'm happy to be I think they're very similar. But if you just look at the numbers, I think Mike Daniels was actually better last year and has been consistently better. He, he's, he's, he's a very, very good pass rusher. With that said, I was listening to a podcast today talking about basically just the difference between a 3-4 and a 4-3 defense. It was pretty basic stuff, but I wanted to hear their perspective on things. And it was funny because what they described as a 4-3 defense fit Mike Daniels perfectly. What they described as a 3-4 defense is everyone that's replacing him, right? And, he, and even the outside linebackers, whereas he was mostly talking about defensive linemen, but he was talking about the need for long and and taller, basically taller, long-arm, stout guys that are two-gappers. Mike Daniels, at his core, is a one-gap player. He, he, he shoots gaps. Right? He's going to beat you to one of the gaps. He's going to shoot through it, and he's going to make a play, whether it's tackle in the backfield or sacking the quarterback. 
in a true 3-4 defense, which this is not. This is a hybrid. It's It runs a lot of nickel, like every defense in the NFL these days, so there's a lot of nuance. But at its core, it's a 3-4 defense. And if your core is a 3-4 defense, there are core principles to that 3-4 defense. And if we're trying to get to that, we're looking for guys, honestly, more like Dean Lowry, six foot six, 300-ish pounds, a little under, actually. Not that that's ideal, but I'm talking about tall, long-arm guys. And it's it's not just, you know, random that they're tall and long-armed. It, it's when you're two-gapping, you need to be able to hold the point of attack, which is to say the long-arms help because you keep the defender at a distance, right? You shoot your hands, you get your hands inside, and you keep the defender off of you. But you also, the, the height actually serves a purpose to the point where the, the point is you're watching what's happening. Number one, is it a run or a pass? Number two, if it's a run, which way is the runner going? From that point, you shed the block and you, you take care of your assigned gap, right? You've got two gaps. You need to be able to figure out which one you're going to fill. And the point is, again, Mike Daniels can handle his business and all that, but when you're six foot one or whatever he is, and def- you know, offensive linemen are six foot five, six foot six, and you're shooting into his gut, and the run goes to your left and you're shooting to the right, you know, again, it, as far as go get the quarterback, Mike Daniels is phenomenal. But again, looking at what Vic Fangio did and, and coming from that standpoint, and it's not just Vic Fangio, it's every defensive coordinator, there, there is a system here and there is a cohesive ecosystem that we're trying to achieve and everybody needs to play a certain role and I just don't know that Mike Daniels fit that role so um I guess I will disagree on the fact that Daniels is overrated maybe to a point I know he's old you know the the price becomes a question but I will say that you know we'll be fine insofar as you know Mike Pettin has a vision for how this defense operates and and Mike Daniels just didn't fit it and it certainly wasn't a fit as far as how much we were going to pay him and the fact that we do have guys like Montrevious and Dean Lowry and, and Kingsley Kiki that do fit that mold, and they're going to be sitting on the bench so that a guy that doesn't fit the mold is on the field because he's a better true pass rusher. I just don't think that necessarily fit the vision of Mike Patton, which is in sync with the vision of, of Brian Gutekunst, who's trying to, who understands the need to, to give Patton the tools he needs, and Mike Daniels just wasn't that tool. Now, the disagreement is going to come at the specific point of Mike Daniels being overrated. We'll see what happens in Detroit, but I, I just I think it's a good scheme fit. In a, in a 4-3 defense, you're looking to play one gap, and you're looking to primarily shoot that gap. You're a pass rusher. You're a penetrator. And, um, I mean, that's just what Mike Daniels does, and he's dominant in that. And we'll see. I mean, the Packers have been good in the past with Ted Thompson in cutting players at the right time. They go to a new team, and they just fall off. Um but I, I just, I think he's going to have some success. We'll see. I mean, as far as the quote of will be fine, I agree. As far as Daniels being overrated, that's where we're going to, I guess, disagree. Um, anyways, I'm going to transition out of the Facebook group, and I'm going way back. This is a, a comment, I guess, from Kyle um, from July 26th. And essentially the crux of it is that we hear about the Smiths and Gary being used as versatile pieces, being moved around all of the time. Why don't we hear about the safeties, or, or maybe not why don't we hear it, but why not do that with the safeties? I think we will. I, I think, um, you know, Josh Jones is a very specific kind of safety. He will be a box safety. That's what he is. But you talk about Amos and Savage and Green, I really think that you could make a case for all of them being in those different spots. Now, I'm not a huge fan of Raven Green, but the team likes him, and I don't know exactly what his strengths are, 
specifically, in other words, you know, it, how much better of a free safety is him than is he than a strong safety? Is he than a, a linebacker, for example? I I don't know. Adrian Amos. I mean, he, he can. We know he can handle the you know up to the you know in the box kind of safety type stuff. He's a sure tackler, but he's he's not like a linebacker necessarily. And the same goes for his coverage. We know he's solid in coverage. He's not elite, but he's decent. I mean, he's just good across the board. So I think he can be as reliable in each of those situations as the other. And then as Darnell Savage, obviously you want to see him as a free safety and to be able to get that sideline to sideline. He's got the range. He's got the speed. But inside the box, he can be absolutely lethal, not just his ability to fly and flow to the ball, but the the, the versatility that it brings the team because – with him up close to the line of scrimmage, you know he can cover a lot of ground. And just putting him, if, if you envision a player as having a circle around him, in other words, this circle is how, you know, if you're the quarterback, you have to look at it and say, I can't throw anywhere in this circle because he, he can get to that point. His circle is massive. So putting him more central to the field and in the play makes it more dangerous. If you throw a screen pass to your wide receiver, Darnell can close in a second. At the same time, if you see Darnell Savage down by the linebackers, do you think do you think it's safe to try to go over his head? That's not going to happen. He's got tremendous range, so I, I really do think that's going to happen. We have seen a decent amount of rotation. Not much from Savage because he hasn't played, but I do expect, and maybe we'll see them try to keep Savage as the single high primarily. But, you know, you look at Chicago, Amos and um, the other guy, I can't think of his name, doesn't matter. You know who I mean. They they were interchangeable. There was a free safety and a strong safety, and they changed that responsibility pretty regularly because they both could kind of handle it. And I do think the Packers are going to do that. I think um, anytime Mike Pettin and the Packers can be versatile and um, multiple, they're going to take advantage of that. And I think the safeties are a good example of our ability to be multiple. Maybe you have some that are stronger in other places, but the the biggest strength isn't necessarily what the player can do. In other words, if you're, your strength is a free safety, the strength is being able to confuse and disorient the, the uh, opponent, opposing offense. Anyways, moving along, question from Danny. Number one, if Jimmy Graham was a Ted Thompson signing, do you think he'd still be on the team, or is, it only, is he only there because Gutekunst has to back his choice? Seems to be quick to rid himself of Ted Thompson players who are not performing. I think it's a fair question. The the first thing I could think of that came to uh, the defense of Jimmy Graham is about the the specific vision that Brian Gutekunst has as opposed to Ted Thompson has. In other words, you know, this is a part of the process, same as as, uh, Mike Patton coming in and having a vision, whether or not it's better or worse than um, Dom Caper's vision, you got to fulfill your vision. The, the, The immediate rebuttal to my thought there is that Jimmy Graham is, I mean, he's a tight end. And, um, you know, I don't know that there's anything necessarily special about him and in his style of play and, and the specific style of play that Brian Gutekunst is looking for as opposed to another um, tight end. And I think it's a fair point to make that if it was Ted Thompson that paid about $10 bucks a year to Jimmy Graham, who was not necessarily performing, we'll see. However, um there's still a lot of time, and what I mean by that is he may be cut before the season is over. He may be a stud this year, and there's just generally a lot of information still out there. It's only been one year, so we'll see what happens. Question number two, do you think our defensive line will be able to regularly get there to the quarterback with just rushing four? It kills me to see the quarterback stand there with all the time in the world with no blitz. I think we'll be better at it. 
Um, something else that was brought up in that whole, you know, 3-4 verse 4-3 thing is the idea that, you know, just from, in, and things are much more complex than this, but in a very basic 3-4 verse 4-3 system, the 4-3 the defensive line is penetrating, the 3-4 defensive line is holding the line, meaning they're not as generally as good a pass rushers along the defensive line um, as the 4-3 defensive line. That is primarily left up to the outside linebackers. That said, we have better off we have better outside linebackers, um, and with still having Kenny Clark, regardless of losing Mike Daniels, I do think we'll be able to get some better pass rush. But I think it, we we need to understand that it's not simply a, Mike Pettin's job is not simply to get after the quarterback. That's a big part of it, but I think there's a broader component here, and um, I think the fact that you go out and get Rashawn Gary and you look at what he did in Michigan, there was a lot of question about why didn't he get more sacks, and Michigan is saying, well, look, we didn't utilize him that way. We had him doing a lot of other stuff. I think maybe that appeals to Mike Pettin to an extent as far as being able to utilize him as a guy that can hold the point of attack, can disrupt the run game, um, can generally just be disruptive as opposed to just, you know, and I think sometimes we think in Madden terms where it's just, just all-out blitz all the time. You know, just go get the quarterback, get the quarterback, get the quarterback, get the quarterback. And I think as, as defensive coordinators, I think in, in broader terms. And the only reason I bring that up is I think we'll have a better chance of getting pressure. I think there will be more pressure. I think as far as the the basic front, there's going to be able to get more pressure without bringing, you know, blitzes from the corners and everything else. But I also think if it's not just blitz city, um, that isn't necessarily a failure. I think there are going to be times when the defensive line and the outside linebackers are asked to do other things other than just wildly and recklessly get after the quarterback, right? You have to play intelligently. You have to hold your point. You have to watch out because, I mean, if you just go after the quarterback, they're, they're going to gash you. you just a, a basic screen can completely destroy a defense that's just pinning their ears back going after the quarterback. But that said, yes, I do think we're going to have more success than last year with our basic front getting to the quarterback. A uh, question from Mike, and I, th- I may have already answered this, so I'll be very brief. But it says, I'm wondering if you could talk a little more about Gary and his impact on this defense. Will he be kicked inside our D-line more often now that Daniels is gone? Mm, I'll, eh, I'll say maybe a little bit more than we were expecting. But I think whatever the plan was for Rashawn, Gary has been in action for some time now. And I, I really just think he's, he's got a role. That is to say, I don't know that you could really look at him necessarily even as a replacement for Mike Daniels. I think it's it's going to be Montrevious and uh, Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry. That is our defensive line. Now, there are going to be sub-packages that are going to have Zadarius and Rashawn Gary, possibly even Preston and, and you know, whatever, but primarily Zadarius and Rashawn Gary as defensive linemen and they're primarily going to be rotating. And I think that was always the plan, and that's still the plan. I don't know that that's necessarily getting ramped up now that Mike Daniels is gone. But again, it, it may be more than, than you or I were expecting uh, before we found out that Mikey D was gone. Anyways, I think I'm actually going to cut it there. Um, I can't find the adversarial comment I was thinking of. It was probably a comment on my podcast, so I'll go back and find it. Plus, I need to have some content for tomorrow. So I'm going to leave it there. You folks enjoy the rest of your night, and I will talk to you bright and early tomorrow morning. Have a good one. Bye-bye.